Bad things happen in Philadelphia. Bad things. To the 40, 35, into the 30, cut back 25, into the 15, 10, 5, touchdown! This is the best bad idea we have, sir. We are back. <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, we are the driveway athletes. Jack joined today by the Parlay Prince, William Anthony. And it would be great if I would get on my shit, um, and I wouldn't have to keep saying we're back. <laughs> I I come up with a schedule for the two of us, and then find ways to not be able to stick to it i'm here i'm always here i have nothing going on ever <laughs> sad to say i had this i don't know the last time we recorded i had a leak in my ceiling and like that's eaten up like a cut you know like three of my mondays and i'm still not done dealing with the repair just um, duct tape it dude if yeah, that right? duct tape don't work just more duct tape <laughs> um that's what i was and, taught and then the uh just the joys of home, home ownership you know like lawn care and whatnot that now i have to take care of and as you like cutting that lawn you just did that for free <laughs> so i'm hoping that we're through figuring this out and you know i mean how we're almost to fantasy football season. <laughs> oh, stop it. Let's not rush the seasons there, Mother Nature. We're still technically in spring. Even though one day it's summer and one day it's winter, we're still technically in spring. Well, like, for me, I mean, like, with putting these things together, I don't want to do what I did to myself last year. And, like, put myself in, by August. I'm kind of too drained to keep updating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hoping to like if I, you know, I'm not going to have an off season, but the off season is um, going to be a bit slower for me. However, like the NFL draft kind of is the kickoff in some way to fantasy football preparation for most people, especially yeah. if you do di- dynasty. I, I'd say you get a better idea if they're the draft of where teams are going and things like that. Will you be yeah. scouting the USFL in the meanwhile? <laughs> uh, I will not. I will not. St- stars play today at 4 o'clock for all your uh, – we're, we're, we're recording this on Sunday. comes to fruition on Monday. And the Stars, the Stars, lifelong Stars fan here. Lifelong yeah. Stars fan. First time, long time. You got your Stars pajamas on? You know I do. You know I'm in my Stars onesie. um so you know most of our listenership is people we know or people from this area i mean how else would they know about us um if elon musk is listening and he wants to buy us we are for sale i am for sale um i will gladly take a a large buyout definitely for sale as 
the million dollar man said everybody has a price <laughs> it's my it's my million dollar man right is that your that's your DBIC laugh yes that it is so um, being from this area we have the kickoff of the um, NBA playoffs for our your 76ers uh, kind of started with a route. That's that's a lot of these playoff games. They they go the route. There's not a lot of nail biters in the first round. It seems historically. I and that's I, just going by. It's not going by any statistical analytics measures, but well, it's just feel. It's like every game's a twenty point game. We can look at the Raptor line if you want. Oh, let's look at the Raptor line. <laughs> but I think because of last season, because of kind of the way this season ended, there wasn't a lead I felt comfortable with. I'm really never comfortable with Doc Rivers as the coach with any lead. I'll tell you, though, um, I am proud of him for uh, going Paul Reed. Um, that was yesterday. It was a well-coached game. They were prepared for everything Nikki Nurse was going to do with his blitz traps and triple double and double teaming and triple teaming Embiid. He he had a game plan and it worked obviously. Um, so obviously, like also like going forward, the Sixers aren't going to have like a game probably again where they're only going to have four turnovers. You know, no, and uh, one one, go, one going into the fourth, I believe, and, and then and, you get a little sloppy. And they'll um, also probably. Well, we'll see. I mean, Toronto's did not escape that game injury free, so we'll now nah, Bar- Barnes Barnes might miss some time. Complete dirty play by Embiid. Just check Twitter. How dare he? How dare he have feet? How dare he? Where are the analytics on his fouls? <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I will, uh, of the many things to be impressed with JoJo on, the lack of charges he gets, like, takes or gives, whatever you want to, you know, say for his size and the type of game he plays is actually pretty incredible. He's like a Kobe Bryant, seven foot, 300 pound Kobe Bryant. It's crazy. The amount of athleticism he displays being that big. I've never seen it. Nobody has. I mean, he's no Jokic, obviously, but it's not. I mean, everybody fears Jokic on the defensive front. You know what kills me is I've got Uh-oh. to sit here. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. Is I've got to sit here and hate the guy. You know, like I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and hate Nikola Jokic. I don't want to sit here and find his flaws. That being Why? said, yeah, that be right. What what is that saying? It's like everything said before, but is bullshit. Mm-hmm. 
But... Yeah, well, honestly, like, he's an entertaining player to watch. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not. But if your statistics and analytics say his defense is better than slightly below average, then they're not worth anything. And... I hate that it's become that I've got to sit here and point that out because statistics and analytics should say, like, this is what I'm seeing. How do we prove what I'm seeing? And when you're when the analytics and statistics are actually like everything you see is wrong, maybe it's maybe it's the way they're doling out the numbers is wrong. Yeah, if you have to go to a computer rather than your eyes to see how good a player is. I, I, I don't get it. So it, it, it just pains me because he's an entertaining guy to watch. I don't want it. You know, like, I enjoy hating Trey Young. I can appreciate how good he is, but I enjoy hating him. He's very good at it. I don't want to hate Jokic. I have to. It's the rules now. I just hate these nerds, and I'll say it, these freaking nerds who give these spreadsheets and the, the writers go by them. And I'm not even – I don't even think it's analytics at this point. I think it's just – what Markel Fultz said, that they don't want to validate the process. So he's never going to win an MVP. Was that from Ball Sack Sports, by the way? Not sure what sack it was from, but I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing totally with legendary Markel Fultz. Um, the legendary first-round pick himself. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is what we thought Fultz was going to be. Exactly what we thought Fultz was going to be. And I, again, another guy, I don't hate Markel. I hope, I still continue to hope that he develops into what we thought he was going to be. It doesn't look like it's in the cards. I have no hate nah, for the man. He's not a hateable guy. He's not a hateable guy. I have no hate for the man. Um, but Number 25, on the other hand. Even he... It amazes me, like, if you went back in time, like, four years ago, and you kind of said, like, you know, your team entering the 2022 playoffs is going to be Embiid, James Harden, and Tyrese Maxey, and not Ben or Fultz would be on the team. I just don't know that I ever would have believed you. And with all that ability Ben has that he's never really going to develop further, at least in Philadelphia. You know, like, I just don't know I would have been able to to believe that someone with all of that raw ability, you know, would pause so early in his career and his development. Just comes down to the fact that he doesn't really like basketball. It's just something he does to – it's just something he does. He doesn't really like basketball. That's the the cold, honest truth. It's really amazing. You know, at the end of the day... It's something something he, quote-unquote, has to do to live the lifestyle he wants to lead. It's it's one of those things, like, look, I'm conflicted. There's not many people I hold hate, actual real hate in in myself for. You know, it's not, not, not a very long list. And sports hate is different, right, than people that you might hate in your in your regular life. 
I don't fucking like them. Well, I don't know how you go from signing a contract to a year later, I can definitely never be here again. Like, I just don't understand that 180. Um, and I never will. And look, we're not in the locker room. You know, I don't know. You don't know. Um, I can tell you no one from that team defended him. You know, it says a lot. Dad, um, Danny Green did a little bit at the outset. Yeah, but I think that they all were walking on eggshells to see if he would come back. And as soon was, as he left, it was over. Once he was gone, the real feelings kind of came out. Yeah. You know, and that's what I mean by defend. Like, when d- defending someone when you think that they're your chance to win, in Danny Green's case, another championship, in a lot of the other Sixers' case, a championship, it, you're going to try and placate that person a little bit. Yeah, once he was Once he was gone... You might have heard the, like, look, it just wasn't a good situation for him. Fine. But you didn't really hear a defense about, like, look, you're not in the room. You don't know how it clashed. It just never was going to work. What I got, a, what I, what it seemed like a lot of it was, we have no idea what happened. But he wouldn't take our calls. He wouldn't sit down with us. He told us not to bother. You know, I don't have hate for him because I don't think I don't think right now as it stands we'll see when he picks up a basketball again what he looks like right now I just don't think he rises to that caliber of player for me to care about anymore I'm not a fan of his but that I I can understand I'm not saying you gotta buy a Ben Simmons jersey no I'm not saying you gotta clap for him I'm not a fan of his I'll never root for him but I don't – right now he doesn't – he's not even playing. No. no there's you know, rumors like, he's playing game three. Yeah, we'll I see. think that's, that's the hot rumor now. So we'll we will see. see. We'll see what the – what you know, where the, the series is at come game three. Um, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see all of that stuff. But I don't hate him. I don't wish the same things I do for Markel Fultz as I do for Ben Simmons. But I don't hate him. You know, it just is. I'll, I'll um, hate him for the both of us. That's fair. That's fair. I just, you know, it's just one of those things I just don't know that anybody, including his teammates, will ever really understand. But so be it. You know, bad, like, at the end of the day, you know, the closest we really came to a championship in the like process and post-process era was that team that lost to the Raptors um, with Jimmy. That damn Kawhi shot. Ugh, that's as bad for me as as uh, Joe Carter. That yeah, it's right shot. up there. It's um, right up there with the worst losses. The Patrick King goal. The Joe Joe Jarvis. Yeah, Sideline. it's, it's right know. up there. Right up there with the most painful losses for me. Oh, it's it's definitely up there. But following that, the Sixers brass were kind of left with a choice. And it was keeping Jimmy around or keeping Brett Brown and Ben. And, 
you know, I have my own feelings about Jimmy Butler, but the way that we, where we are now in 2022, you know, it's hard to justify that choice. I understand why they made it. It's hard to justify that choice though. Cause yeah, both of them are now, all three are gone now. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm kind of I'm over Jimmy Butler. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't a pro Jimmy Butler. No, I, I know where you stand with it, but yeah. I'm just reiterating the fact that he was what he was. I mean, he's not as great as he thinks he is. He's a good player of basketball player. I'll take nothing be, away from him. Yeah, to be fair, I don't know that anybody's as good as Jimmy Butler thinks Jimmy Butler is. I don't know that any player, even, even Michael Jordan, <laughs> is as good as Jimmy Butler thinks Jimmy Butler is. I mean, we get it. You work hard. You get, Everybody we does, all so. get it. Nobody works as hard as him, though. Nobody works as hard as Jimmy Butler. Bouncing basketballs against the wall in the bubble. Just ask them. They'll tell you. Banging ESPN reporters in the bubble. Nobody works as hard as Jimmy Butler. It's got to, you know, got to make sure he gets that positive spin. Mm-hmm. But Hi-oh. I mean, what I what I will say, and then we'll close some Sixers talk for this week. But what I will say is, I don't know if it's the James Harden hate. I don't know if it's quite the way that they ended the regular season. But hilarious that you know so many national guys like you'd have thought the Ra- Raptors in four. You know, a way the way a lot of national guys were talking about this series. Yeah, well, the Sixers are the four seed with the second best record. People don't bring that up. They had, they were tied with the second record. They lost. They had the fourth seed on tiebreakers, which is it is what it is. Tiebreakers are what they are. Yeah, you agree to it, but they yeah, still have know, the like... second best. Record. Yeah, they and... still had the second best record. And I'm not sure they'd have gone the soft route of like, um, you know, letting somebody else have to face the scary Brooklyn Nets. That other franchise. Oh, there's, they are scary, aren't they? They're frightening, the Brooklyn Nets. I, you, they, it's, 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 a tough, it's a tough series to root for. It's Celtics versus the Nets. You'd think that the Nets were the dream team, the way like people talk about them. Oh, it's the New York media. Yeah, weren't it's the, the Knicks? Kevin Durant the Knicks were supposed to be a perennial playoff team now, right? Like that la- that that lasted a year. Yeah, full year. Our boy Trey Young ended that talk. Love to hate him. Love to hate him. He plays the quintessential heel well very, very well. We, we, we've been missing a Reggie Miller. And I, and I know for a lot of other franchises, Embiid is a bit of that. You know, I get that. But we've been missing a Reggie Miller personality for a while. I think a lot of people love to hate LeBron, but he doesn't embrace it like Trey Young does. And I think that like it's good to have that kind of personality. I think it sells. It definitely oh, yeah. sells. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I won't be wearing a Trey Young jersey, but I appreciate having a guy that I you know 
I, I, I appreciate him embracing the hate. Oh yeah, and liking liking to be the villain. I like that. Yep, one hundred percent. I agree. I agree. So we'll close. You know, we've got a game tomorrow. Um, we'll see today. Tar- yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're recording on Sunday. It will air Monday. In your cases, when you're listening, there's a game tonight. <laughs> tonight, tonight, tonight. Um, Get excited. So, a little bit of a roller coaster start for the Phils. Um, up, down, up, down. Fire Girardi, don't fire Girardi. I Here we are. You correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not the baseball, you know, the biggest baseball fan. I'll watch. I enjoy going to a game, but, like, I'm not going to watch a lot, you know. When you're kind of going the live, offense. I will live and die with every pitch. <laughs> when you go offensive... Bats come and go, right? They get hot and they get cold. And they don't have great pitching? Um, Aside from Zachary Wheeler, there isn't uh, one dependable starter, I feel. Ranger Suarez could get there this year, but as of now, he is not dependable. Only having a, a half a year under his belt. So... Their, so, pitching yeah. isn't, their pitching isn't, let's say, Dodgers pitching. So in that, you're probably going to have, you know, streak. You're going to have streaky games. You're going to have a streaky team. There, there's going to be games where you're not going to be able to out hit your pitching and defense. Right, and there's going to be games where you're going to you're going to hit so well. There's no team that could match. Right. You know, like yesterday. Exactly like 10. yesterday. And and when Girardi posted the lineup, I, they uh, they went from favorites to underdogs. That's how much Vegas thought of Girardi's lineup last night. The Phillies went, <laughs> were underdogs going into that game. It's tough. Uh, but, like, you know, you had Harper, you know, a little bit of a slow start the first couple games. He does that. He's a slow starter. It's a long season. He was a it's slow a starter season. last year and then went MVP on us all. Yeah. I mean, this just in, hot off the presses. Bryce Harper, good. Good baseball. <laughs> good baseball. The, uh, so, you, can't treat, you can't treat baseball games like football games. And I think that's just, a lot of people do that. They do it with They do it with all of these sports now. They do. They really do. They really do. Sixers loss. It's the end of the world. But, you know, the, when the Sixers win, it's meh. meh. They should have. They should have. They should have. That's what they get paid to do. They should win. But when they lose, it's like, oh, my God, I don't know. I don't know if the James Harden's the right guy. You know, I, I heard uh, I heard Tyrese Maxey and James Harden went out to the club afterwards. They lost the game. They should be back in the gym. I told you, Mike, we would miss Drummond. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> now, the the coach has to get, now, now the coach has to go against Paul Reed. If Drummond was here, this would have never happened. A guy whose career, and, and bless him, I have no, I'm not going to sit here and bash Drummond, but his career was resurrected. He, his, he signed here to be the backup. 
And and you know, I'm is not there anything bash that Drummond, but boy, I can bash the Philadelphia fans. Oh yeah, no. Like, is there? I was just about to say, is there anything that the Philadelphia fan base loves more than a role-playing backup? They love singing, as well. Boy, do they love singing the Eagles song. Parking lots of Phillies games, SmackDown events, AEW. <laughs> Boy, do they love singing that fucking song. And you know I'm a diehard Eagles fan. I know. Song. You know what I say with that is like it's like going to a concert and singing another band's songs. <laughs> and concerts. It's, I forgot about concerts. Yeah, concerts. You get the Eagles chance at concerts too. Oh, it's exhausting. We get it. You can spell. Cool. Awesome. I would, I would hate the song. I wouldn't hate the song as much if it wasn't total bullshit. No one likes us. We don't care. Except when somebody says nobody likes us. You sensitive well, snowflake pieces of trash. I mean, think about how quickly everybody wanted to pile on, on bomb. You know. Or boom. Sorry. Boom. Um, what are you from Boston now? B O H N. You have one Samuel Adams at Wilco ten years ago. And you're from Boston. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Bomb. Um, no, bomb. Okay. Bomb. Boom. Boom. It's B O H M. Bomb. Bomb makes. Sense. I don't make the rules, man. I just go by what Tits McCarthy tells me to pronounce these names. It All could right. be bullshit. So I don't know. It's boom. Boom. Fair. And then Bongo, he Shorto. Yeah. Longo Shorto, who gives a shit? I hate this place. Yeah, like how quickly? How quickly they were ready to kill this guy who was just having a rough night. Three errors. Well, he had two at the time he said it. Three errors. He had a rough night. He had a rough night. And sarcastically, you know what makes someone play better? Making fun of him. All the time. Every time. 73% of the time it works. 100% of the time. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, how quickly that sensitivity was about to kick in. Oh. If he doesn't like you here, we should trade him. Let's get rid of him. I don't want to see him on the bus. I'll take a bag of dirty balls. Make him walk to his apartment. You know, God forbid. And God yeah, forbid the, the, somebody says they don't like you, and then they care. Oh, uh, care way too much. It's not even well, care way too much. It's just like, just get over yourselves. I mean, you... The, they're, they're the, go back to what you said. They're the Jimmy Butler of the fan bases. Oh, yeah. We they know everything. Better than everybody says they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Upstanding folks. Oh. I, I'll tell you, man. You know what I love the most about the Philadelphia sports fans? Is going to a they probably can't spell knowledgeable. Going to a <laughs> and hearing all the coaches behind me. <laughs> Yell shoot. Shoot. Skate. 
I wonder how much tickets are going for for today's Easter Easter battle with the I Sabres. Think you, I think you can get 100 levels for like 35 bucks. Can I get it for a golden egg? I mean, maybe. A coconut egg, if you will? I went down for uh, some complimentary tickets the other night. And I was you know how you I... No, no, complimentary tickets. Complimentary tickets. But, um, and you know how I feel like I really just am at a point that I don't, I don't want to give that franchise my money. And like in any sense, I don't want to pay for parking. I don't want to give them money for a soda, but whatever. The, the tickets were complimentary. So, but even All then. All sodas, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to go. Go ahead. It's fine. It's fine. You know how I feel about sodas in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, maybe a road soda. There you go. Um, <laughs> so it just, it's, it's one of those things where like the team is not good, right? We know this. We know they're fielding. Breaking a, news. Breaking news. We know they're fielding mostly a very young team that they're trying to figure out. And it's this bipolar fan base that are mad when the team loses, but then mad when the team wins because they want a better draft pick. And that's really what we've got here, right? So not only are, do we care when nobody likes us, not only are we sensitive, not only do we love backup role players, but we don't even know what we want. I, I think they're mad when they lose when they're watching the game or <laughs> at the game. They want them to win for their own entertainment. But when they're not watching or not at the game, they, they don't care. They want them to lose. This franchise can't even lose right. <laughs> That's what they said about the Eagles for years. So, I mean, you can't actively root against your team. I get it. But for the greater you good, can't be, you can't be out. upset. But that does not rooting for them to lose. But then also being upset when they lose. Like, you don't have to be upset. Just, okay, they lost. It's for the greater good. It's for the greater good. They've got a lot, to, you know, and, and it will lead us into another discussion. They've got a lot to learn in a very short amount of time about what they have in terms of the kids. They've got a lot to learn because this franchise is – at yet again the crossroads as to what they're doing and they're making it up as they go along and they've got to learn some things about morgan frost they've got to learn some things about um this kid that they got for Giroux, Tippett. they've got to they've got to learn some things about bobby brink they've got to learn some things about these guys some of that comes with their those kids are going to make mistakes they're playing against better town even in buffalo where the team stinks they're playing against professionals who yes, they are. have some pride. You know, like, they've got to learn some things about a lot of people. And in that, mistakes are going to happen. They've, they, then they've got crossroads about, look, there's here's uncertainty going into next season. You've got Ryan Ellis making $6 million a year for another five years. We don't know if he's going to play another game again. 
But I can guarantee you what he's not going to do, and that's retire. He'll show up and keep failing physicals because, to me, the difference between $30 million and not $30 million is enough for me to not retire. I believe it's $30 million. $30 million. Nah. Um, he, ain't, he ain't retiring anytime soon, brother. No. So they're stuck with if he can't play, but they can't, you know, they're going to do LTIR, but you can't really do that many things because you have to also expect he might come back at some point, even though you know he's not going to, really. But, you, you know, you can only get so creative for so long, you know? That's one part. You have Couturier, who's now 29, back surgery. He's on a long-term deal. What's he going to look like when he gets back? He's seemingly he, been around here forever. He's What's he, he, 10 years in? He's Yeah, he's been with the Flyers since he was like 18. He's been up with the team. Yeah. And he's a grinder. He's a two-way. Yeah, he's a two-way grinder player, even though he's on that, like, he's a former Selkie winner. I'm not bashing the guy's abilities. He doesn't have an easy game. He's got a game that that takes years off your career. I, I did have to have to laugh when they uh, when Fletch said we get Coots and a couple other guys back. I'll be right there. Well, what I mean, he's got to go, brother. He's got to go, well, brother. What's he supposed to say? I've got a, a bunch of players that aren't good enough. He also can't say that either. You know, true, um, true. I can tell you. So what I will say from what I understand, Comcast is very unhappy with where season ticket sales sit for next season. I don't know that they have it. Yeah, I know, right? It only took 10 years. Um, I don't know that they have the stomach to go towards like a complete and utter tear. I don't even know what a complete and utter teardown looks like. This isn't a team with a bunch of high-end, underperforming high-end talent. Yeah. What I will say is, and it's not an excuse because everybody has to deal with it, but the Flyers are the prototypical team that the salary cap hurts. And you can take what I have to say with that with a grain of salt. I think I've been pretty clear about how I feel about the salary cap. But what does the salary cap do in three things? One, star players are underpaid. And I know you guys are going to think I'm nuts. But what Connor McDavid means to a team is more than $12 million. But he's never going to get more than $12 million. It also keeps him from being able to find another place because nobody can aff- and nobody has the room to sign a $12 million player. Um, so it gives him... Stifles everything. It stifles everything. And on the flip side, it overpays middle-of-the-road guys. So guys that maybe like individually aren't killing your cap, people can think what they want. I'll say, take a Travis Konechny. People can think what they want about Travis Konechny. TK, Travis Konechny, please. T- sorry, TK. Individually is not killing your cap, even if you don't think his production is where you thought it was going to be. He individually is not killing your cap, but he's also not worth what you're paying him because he's a middle... He's a middle six player, right? Like, he's not a top three player. He's not a bottom three player. He's a middle six player. 
It's not a bad contract, but it's not a good contract. And you get a few of those, and then it adds into what the Flyers are, which is overpaid, middle six players, not a, not able to afford a star. They're not bad enough to get an early draft pick. And a dra- an early draft, this year they are, but most years they aren't. And, and an early draft pick is a poor predictor. There's only so many guys that come in and within three years – are on your team and are major contributors. Bust rates, years of development. It's hard, it's hard to predict. It's hard to predict when you're, you're dealing with kids at that age. 17, 18 years old. Um, in some cases, international. So you're trusting a lot on your scouting departments, which can be spotty. Um, but also your GM has to pull the, you know, ultimately pull the trigger. And then if you just kind of after that rookie, you know, the original rookie de- deal, when you get in that second contract, if you're projecting growth and it doesn't happen, well, now you're overpaying a, a middle-of-the-road player. I don't want to say mediocre because that can be disparaging. But you're overpaying a middle-of-the-road player, which then limits your ability to get other guys. But the, the high-end guys don't really hit the market that much because the market is so stifled. And in the NHL, where now you have 32 teams, there isn't enough talent. There isn't enough high-end talent. And in a way, for the for a team like the Flyers, which are willing to spend money, as much as I want to hate on them, they spend to the salary cap every year. There's not a year that they don't. Is it better for them to be bad based on the metrics in order to prop up a team that can't sell tickets? You know, like, say the Arizona Coyotes, who are not only bad, but they have a 5,000-seat arena. You know, is that good for the league? And I don't know. But I what I can tell you is is I don't think this system they're works. Playing, they're playing NHL hockey at the LaCoura Center, basically. Worse? Lee Coors Center's, it's the Arizona Sun Devils Stadium. I can't imagine they're, you know, a powerhouse NHL program or, 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 or the NCAA program. Um, no knock on them. It's their, it's, but it's their building. So the Coyotes have no weekend games in their home stadium because it's not their stadium or arena, if you will. That's sick. That's sick. And again, not to disparage the citizens of Arizona, why would you buy tickets? That team's been bad for a long time. Um, But maybe the league doesn't need 32 teams. And you have got a league that's hemorrhaging, you know, like viewership. Um, Is it good to know that no players – like it's not the NBA where where people are going to be huge fans of guys in other markets. You know, I don't know. Have you seen a, a Connor McDavid jersey out anywhere? Like you might see a LeBron James jersey? No. Right. No. No. And in I've this seen case, many questionable flyer shirts. Oh, yeah. You'll see one from, you know, a third liner in 1994. Definitely. Um, Gelato. A great face-off guy. Amazing face-off guy. But 
kind of on on, on the on the back of all of this stuff is like the the flyers now and I, it's a it's a, it's a tough thing to accept and that you know and then we'll move us on because we talked a little bit about draft and we'll talk about the NFL draft but in the flyers case they're going to go from watching kind of Pittsburgh and the and the Caps run the metro where it looks like now it's going to be the Rangers you know and as a flyers fan that's a tough pill to swallow man it was tough for Pittsburgh you know that wasn't easy but to to then become the Rangers, that's tough. It's that's ugly. Tough. It's tough. It's not. It's not handsome, pal. I'll tell you that. No, no, not handsome at all. No. So I think the worry always is when you talk about salary caps. Everybody's always worried that like, how will the small markets survive? They do. They do. They just do it different. And buying players, look, doesn't always work either. You know, and newsflash. I don't think the Cavs going anywhere in any league, but they've got to figure some things out about what they're doing because you can't have so many franchises be bad for a long time. People stop going. The Sabres have been bad for a long time. Coyotes have been bad for a long time. The Flyers have been bad for a long time. People will stop going, and then what happens? They've got. Hey, they're, not gets, they're not going to pay them prices much longer. Nobody's going. They're not. They're not able to sell. They're not able to sell season tickets. So the reality is, is the Flyers are a big revenue generator for the NHL. They're going to have to, you know, like just like the NBA, you know, forced Colangelo on the Sixers. I can't imagine hmm. they'll be thrilled with the Flyers not being a revenue generator. And you know what? That's that's the league's bed. That's the league's bed that they also have to lie in. Just 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 bring Briere as the GM already. Everybody well, knows it's going to happen. Uh, just do it. This is a multiple year problem. Two 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 decade long problem. It's 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 not the NBA. Know what, know what you get, for, you know, bringing Fletcher back another year. Just get, just give Briere the job already. Let, well, the See only thing you that you're going to, the only thing that you're going to get is if he's got to make some really shitty moves in order to start the pro, like doing things, and they're going to be, and they're moves that no one really likes. You let him be the bad guy, and then you let, you know, like that's why you would. You don't let that stink hit Briere. Because they might, you know, in order to, and I don't know how much I would pay to get rid of JVR's contract because it's one year. You know, they have a lot more questionable things going on than just one more year of, of Van Riemsdyk. I'm a big fan. There's a lot of things I don't like about the NFL, but I'm a big fan of like, if you need to get out of a contract, having like a one year pain versus a five, six, seven year pain. Yeah, um, easier to get out of without a doubt. You know, and they can figure out a better buyout system than what exists or a better system overall. But, you know, uh, I'm a bigger fan of like figuring out a way that you can get out of these things, even if it's two years, where it's two years of pain, 
but where it's it's having to be the length of whatever's left. And in this case, Ryan Ellis, right? No offense to Ryan yeah. Ellis, we just don't know. But having six million dollars in a questionable envelope for six years sounds less than ideal. And you can talk all you want about well, well, Fletcher knew what he was getting into. We didn't exactly give up much for Ellis either. And they, they needed to fill a big hole. And it was a risky move because no team would give up a player of Ellis's caliber for nothing. Otherwise, it would have to be a question mark. You know, like, I don't want to just let him off the hook, but I also think it's just like you have a gaping hole. You've got a, a, question, a player with a questionable injury history, but you, you know, like, you don't have many bargaining pieces to get a good, a good player. And those players aren't always on the move. You know, you don't see a Victor Hedman... Or, or or Fox on the move, and if if they are, the cost of getting them is so astronomically high. Everybody'd whine about a player who, uh, you know, a draft pick for a guy who's, you know, uh, playing with blocks in kindergarten. At this point, you know, so I don't know, but the, the, this is an NHL problem. As much as the Flyers' problem, it's an NHL problem. Um, it's. It's, it's, it's going to be a long road back. Here's, here's the conundrum. Here's the, here is the absolute conundrum. My feeling, I think you'd probably agree. The problem with the Flyers is they lack high-end talent. Right. If somehow right. they could get that, the rest of their roster is not horrible. So it's it's a long road back depending on which way they get to it, but they're like they're simultaneously very far away and not that far away. Does that they make sense? Complimentary. They have some com- complimentary pieces, but no one you would call an Ovechkin or a Crosby. There's only there's only so many of those guys: McDavid, Kucherov, yeah. uh, McKinnon. You know, there's only so many of yeah. those guys. If you were able in some fantasy world to get, a, you know, two high-end players, say a high-end forward and a high-end defenseman, the entire outlook changes very quickly. I'm not saying they all of a sudden go from where they are now to 100 or 106 point team, but they would be really they're, – they're not, again, simultaneously very far away as being not that far away depending on what can happen. Everything changes. Who, who thought the Rangers were going to be turned around this fast? They are. You know, it helps when a Panarin says he'll only sign in New York. You know, that helps a lot. But nonetheless... Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't hurt. Nonetheless, it wasn't... For, compared to the Devils, who have been picking in the top 10 for since like 2016, other than maybe one year, 2015, other than maybe one year where they picked 12, um who you'd think that they'd be starting to get there and they look, you know, their kids look good. I'm not going to say that they don't, but does it all click together? You know, when you decide to go to the draft, sometimes you draft these guys and they're good enough, but the chemistry isn't right or you're lacking somewhere like goaltending. So the think what you want about Hart. He's a good enough NHL goaltender. They have that puzzle solved. So if you have that part of the puzzle solved, it's really that, the one or two top level players. So like, I don't want to sound like a homer, like the flyers aren't far. Those guys don't fall out of trees, you know? So if they don't, if they can't get one, they're going to have to draft one. So, or two or three, then you're talking about five years down the line. 
Ugh. You know, assuming that your picks turn out. Ugh. Assuming that your picks turn out. And so, like, I get the, like, quote-unquote aggressive retool. I think that it's blind and dumb, but I get the comment because I think what they're trying to voice is what I'm trying to voice. Is if they could get... You, you don't know what teams are going to go in the playoffs and bounce out in the first round, right? Like, that could happen with Toronto very easily. Well, what do they do now? Because that, that will be, like, three years in a row of having this nucleus of Marner... Matthews and Tavares, and it's not working, right? So one of those guys could be on the move. You don't know what the price tag would be. I doubt it would be Matthews, right? So you just don't know what players are going to be on the block, on the bubble. You don't know who you're going to be able to move to get it because of how bad the, the divorce gets. You just don't know. But hockey trades are tough, you know, because of, of salary, the salary cap and being up against it and filling out your whole roster and all that nonsense. So... Which leads us to, right, the NFL draft is coming up. No, we'll segue from hockey draft to NFL draft. And um, we're not going to sit here and do a pick-by-pick mock draft. You're not going to play with Mel Mel Kuyper. I got the hair. Well, he's got the hair. (laughs) I wish I had the hair. Yeah, well, if you had it, you wouldn't have it, right? True that. At least quaffed in that way. But I pay attention to draft strictly for fantasy reasons. Um, but I still feel like it's one of those things, even the NFL draft, where those players are kind of for the most part at, at worst, right? So if they're going to play in the league at worst, it's not this year, it's next year. You're not talking about four years from now. Even in the NF, even in the NFL's version, where like, you know, the careers are shorter, so the 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 rush to get them into the lineup is a little bit faster. They're a little, you know, like they're a little closer in terms of abilities. And even then, I feel like it's an overrated spectacle. It's an overhyped, overblown spectacle. And that's not. I don't want to take any shine away from the kids it's a life life changing event for them but to get but excited it's a game well and to get excited about a player that you really don't know that much about or to be angry about a player that you really just don't know that much about who's 20 years old you know, I just don't understand. I, I guess it's just something I don't understand. You're, you're going to, you just don't know. And it's tough to know what, what a 20-year-old's going to gonna be. You know, how many sure things did we think we've seen in the past 20 years that aren't? All of, all of them. You know? So I just find... Again, I'll I'll watch because I'm interested in terms for terms of fantasy. But I don't I just don't get how it became such so, it was such a niche thing before. It was on like Saturday mornings, you know, yeah, like Saturday afternoon. It was innocent. It was it, it it was it's just such a niche thing. And now it's become this prime time, you know, everybody's hopes and dreams pinned to a twenty year old. Must watch the combine. Is oh, there? It, it was two the days. Measuring before. of the hands. Oh, and and then everybody's an expert on on hand sizes after that. 
everyone yeah and the people like i feel like the people that get that wrapped up in it can't even draft a good fantasy team and they want to talk about an nfl gm you know like i have my own thoughts about how poor of a drafter roseman is he's good enough good enough right it's it's amazing when you simplify things what can happen Keep it simple, stupid. Um, but he's a good, he's he's a better than average general manager. You know, the Eagles, no matter how much you think they may have been, been in cap tr- trouble, they never actually are. Ever. Nope. Ever. They can, you know, they can do what they want pretty much all the time. Yeah, when you look at like a, like the Packers or the Saints, you know, they're in cap trouble. And yeah, the Packers have the quarterback who's getting a little long in the tooth himself. But they had to shed a lot because they're in cap trouble. You know, you leave Aaron going. Rodgers. You leave my franchise Aaron Rodgers alone. My fantasy title winning Aaron Rodgers alone. You know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. He's just not a not a young man. I'm not breaking news here. I'll play forever. Forever. <laughs> um so, in that, like, I, I just think that because the Philadelphia narrative becomes what it is, because they every oh, the fans assume the team would have Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, and Jerry Rice, um, that he's bad, yeah. you know, like, and he's he's not bad at his job. He's not. No. No. He's not at all. He's better at his job than most people. I don't have to like him personally, but he's not a bad GM. No. And you know what? Joe Banner wasn't a bad GM either. Actually, he was very, very good. They did. They didn't get it done, but goddamn, every year you felt like they could. Every single year. And contrast that. You did. Contrast that to the other franchises in this city, and then you don't like you forget. How spoiled. You know, the Sixers had to be horrible for five or six years to feel like every year we have a chance. Mm-hmm. The Phillies, you know, you know, once every 20 years we get a run, right? It's kind of the way it works. Hopefully this is a little bit more. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, it's, one, it's almost 20 years. 14. Like fifth, yeah, 15, 14, 15. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Flyers haven't been good since the early 2000s, other than one odd Cinderella story. And then, it, and then the pandemic happened. Well, that um, uh, yeah, well, the, the, they were the number one bubble boys, um, number they one were. seed in the, in the bubble. But that uh, that 2011 Cup run was it's they got in on the last day of the season. You know, like that's just if there's ever yeah. a Cinderella story. That team was it, you know. The, and the Cinderella stories in a, in a penalty shot. Yeah, I mean, as with most Cinderella stories, they don't usually win. They usually are like, you know, the Indians in in Major League. St. Peter's. Um, <laughs> so, think about how nice it is for for that franchise that pretty much every year. 
you have a legitimate shot they're going to win the division. Since since Andy Andy Reid's second year here, right? That's pretty much the way it were the way it's been. Yeah. Odd year, odd year here or there. Yeah, it, after the Super Bowl year, they had a down year, but you know that's to be expected. They were a sustained run of excellence. So yeah, Joe Banner was. If, People might not like him because he made the hard decision, but his underlying philosophy in terms of football wasn't wrong. You no, don't give guys over wrong. 30 big co- contracts. He no. might have been a little bit too religious to it, but it was not a wrong underlying philosophy. He really never got burned with it either. So I, he was absolutely no. right. No, there wasn't a guy who at that time where they want, didn't want to pay him that went somewhere else and was great. Even the Trotter wasn't Dawkins. lights out. Douglas wasn't lights out. Dawkins either. It's time to go. It's time to go. You can't pay. You can't pay people in the NFL for what they did. Not in a salary cap league. What they're going to do? No. Yeah, not in a salary cap league. Can't do it. Even if the NFL salary cap's kind of a lie. Pretty much. Um, but off air we talked a little bit. And I think a little bit on air, um, you know, I started started doing that fantasy research for next season and um, put together, a, you know, this offseason was a little nuts for, for football. And it's not going to be done because a lot's going to happen draft day, too. Well, it you know, was a lot of nuts. Well, there's still a lot of dominoes. I've ever seen it. This is the, you never see quarterbacks that still have years left get moved. You saw it happen multiple times. Um, and then you're going to see there's other players. Like the, like the league this year has decided that um, there's a little bit of a decision that you – it's like the pendulum swings. So you'd think the Rams taking Stafford and saying like, look, you need a different kind of quarterback if you want to get over the hump. We were good but not good enough. And I feel like there's getting a little bit of a pendulum that's like if you get elite enough receivers, it can make up for these good but not good enough quarterbacks. Um, and they've decided to pay these elite receivers a lot of money. Oh, shit, Tom. So in, in, in that discussion, you still have Metcalf, Debo Samuel, um, up in the air a little bit right now. And if those teams don't think that there's a deal to be made, they might get moved. That would be fun. They might get moved. We'll see. But those are definitely two players. I also wouldn't be surprised. He hasn't played, really. I wouldn't be surprised to hear Michael Thomas get moved. The Saints aren't that close to competing. That relationship feels sour. I doubt it's going to be that expensive for a team to get him. You know, um... I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Like there, there's some interesting names still left out there for, say, a Kansas City, for, say, a Green Bay, um, to make a move on. It's going to be interesting, and the Eagles are always in conversations like that, right? Yeah. Or wrong. I, I looked at some of the underlying – I mean, rightly, because I think that Howie does his due diligence at seeing what the cost is going to be and if it's worth it for him to do. 
I do think he I, I think he kicks the tires all the time. They're they're rumored with everybody. They are. And I think that's they a guy really doing are. a guy doing his job, looking at the price, looking if he can pay it, seeing if he can get it down to a place that he can. You know. Again, I don't know that his, if he's left to his own devices, I don't know that his talent evaluation is fantastic, but I think he does his he does a thorough job. Um so no, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, like, but I think that when like I looked at the underlying stats, the Eagles last year when they were successful, it was when they really scaled back how many times they were asking Hertz to throw the ball. Um, I don't know how much that's going to grow. Um, so I think going out and getting that guy, if you're going to be running a kind of reverse of where the league is, you know, a fifty-five forty-five run pass split where you're running the ball 55% of the time. I don't know bringing another run quarter, wide receiver in, like a big guy like Metcalf or like Debo. Makes a ton of sense because I don't think Devontae Smith is really that far off. No, absolutely not. He's not. I don't think he's at their caliber, but I don't think he's far right now, you know, but I don't think he's far off from being, uh, you know, a really good receiver. Agreed. I think he's he's right on the cusp right now. Uh, 100%. 100%. There's nothing I saw that said this guy can't be, you know, like, I know a lot was made about his weight. But I don't know that anything I've seen that I said this guy's just not going to have it. He looks like he's going to be a very good receiver. I don't like crowning guys for anything, and I don't like comps when guys are too young. But... You know, there's nothing that says he can't be up there with the elite route running wide receivers that exist. No, absolutely not. Um, you know, he, he lacks the size, but like I always say that Diggs is one of the best route runners in the league. So if, if that's his ceiling, you know, you could be compared to worse. Or Tyreek Hill, maybe. Another guy that size. I'm I'm interested to see what Tyreek Hill is going to do with a different quarterback, and that's not me saying that um, he's made by the quarterback, but Tua's not. Tua's not Mahomes. They just attack the game in a different way. Um, I don't know what Tua's ceiling is. I don't I don't like a guy coming off the kind of injury that he has, placing a ceiling on him just yet. But I don't know that he'll he ever was ever going to be a deep ball thrower, you know. And not no. that not that Hill no. needs that. He's very good with the ball in his hands. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see him in a different role on a different offense with a different kind of quarterback and what it actually looks like. Miami could be very fun to watch. Could be. But yeah, I, 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 all the diehard Dolphins fans out there. Well, I mean, they got they have Waddle, you know, who looked really good last year. Um, Hill, very similar. They're very similar receivers. Um, Gesicki is a very good pass catcher. It's going to be interesting for the dot yeah the diehard Dolphins fans. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that breaks down. I I, I think that I think that. Devonta Smith 
is probably will probably his ceiling in in being a tactician is probably actually better than Hill's. I don't know that he's ever going to be as fast as Hill either, though. You know, you know, like, so I'm not saying he's going to be better than Hill. I just think that they're different kinds of players, you know. But there's a similar skill set there. I, I can't argue your point. They're built similarly too. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was going for. Um, but I think that I think that Smith is more in the digs. Uh, Allen Robinson, you know. Um, camp maybe faster than those guys, but that's kind of how he attacks the game. So just his his ability to get off the line and his route running is. I think that he has the chances to be a very you know good to elite player. Um, I have concerns about the guy getting him the ball, but I also don't know that I've seen anything from Hertz to say he can never be that guy. Um, I doubt it, but I don't. Again, he's young. We'll see. It's going to be a fun uh, year as usual. It's going to be a good learning year because they're. I don't think that they owe Hertz anything more. You know, but they're all. They also could end, could end up stuck, where they got this guy. Like they've got the rest of the team. They've got a guy who's good, but maybe not good enough. And how you build your team, you know, like. If you're going to keep going at it with Hertz, you're not. You're going to be running a a less than big play type of offense, but a volume type of offense. Teams have won that way. I can't say it's impossible. Just how you how your team build becomes very different. But just like faceoffs for the Flyers is like a thing. Flyers are the Flyers have been good at faceoffs my entire life. Good offensive line in Philadelphia has also been. Something, you know, since we they signed Runyon, really. Yeah, what he was doing? Shocker! Breaking news. That's where, yeah, the game's won and lost there. If you can't protect your quarterback and you can't get to the other quarterback, you won't win very much. No, sorry, Bob. So, um. I have to admit, and we'll start wrapping up because I think we went a little long today, but it's been a couple weeks. Um, I have to, I have to admit, I have done two fantasy mock drafts already this off season. Uh, oh, for the love of Levi! I started my preliminary ranks. They're up on our Facebook page. I have to say, well, the running backs and receivers are. I went thirty-six deep for those two positions. And then I think 18 for quarterback and tight end. We'll see. Those are very early, very early rough drafts. But even even just because they are, that does not mean that thought didn't go into it. Um, I started my write-ups. I, I got 12 receivers done. Those are always fun for me. Um, but doing the mocks... And seeing how it's breaking down now, that's going to change a lot when people start thinking actually about fantasy football. So I don't put a terrible amount of stock into it. Yeah. But I'll tell I'll tell you, Billy, right now, um, in doing those those mocks, one thing that I don't understand, and again, I think home leagues will be different, is it's still in a PPR draft. It's still about nine running backs going in the first round in a twelve team 
draft. That's I, I don't agree with that at all. I, lo- I, I love to see it, though. It's how I Absolutely. win. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't agree with it at all. And I don't, I think all you have to do is look at what teams are paying receivers um, to know that it's a fool's errand. Yeah, I don't care how much you argue with me right now about position scarcity at running back, you're better off getting an elite receiver. Um, other than maybe the very good, I'll do it every time, twice on Sunday. Other than maybe like the very few actual elite running backs with very clear pictures, um, you're just better off probably getting an elite receiver or taking a shot at elite receiver. I think that we invented points per reception leagues when there weren't that many good receivers to try and balance it out because the elite running backs got like 30 carries a game, (laughs) you know? And now that the league has kind of gone away where your elite receivers are getting 10 catches a game or, or, or nine catches a game. The f- scoring formats is the same. So you have yeah. to take advantage of those guys. You know, like there's very few running backs that I could sit here and say, I'd want to take over Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, or Jamar Chase. You know, there's very few running backs I would sit here and tell you that's a good idea. Cooper Cup, not a lot, not a lot, not really talked about as the best wide receiver out there. He's only number one in every category. He was the number one scorer over quarterbacks. He scored more fantasy points than the number one quarterback. Not now, talked what, about. Was that a career year that he can't emulate? I can't, I can't tell you that. But I'd rather take the bet because. Other, I mean, they brought in Allen Robinson. That's to fill Robert Woods' role. That's yeah. not to take, you know, like they haven't done anything else for me to say there's going to be a workload change here. Do I think Allen Robinson is better than Robert Woods? Probably. But Cooper Cup has a very real role. And I think that people forget that, like, over the last three years, this is two top five finishes. He's going to get his, boy. So when I'm taking the number one guy, you know, like it's very rare that people repeat being the number one. I think you had to go back to um, Antonio Brown. I think that's the last wide receiver to to repeat going back to back. But the drop-off for those guys isn't that big either. You know, you get a lot of they were number one and then they were number four. Or they were number one and now they're number seven. Then you have to just ask yourself what what your bet is. I feel like in the first round, everybody's making a different bet. Depending on what player you choose to take with your first pick. You you tell me if you agree with this philosophy. But everybody's different when they enter the draft. Are you taking a player that you think has the chance to be number one? Right? Has the highest ceiling? Are you taking a player that you think no matter what, they can only finish so bad, barring injury? Are you taking a guy that you know what, that more or less you can bank on him getting 15 points a week? What is it you want to do with your pick? And I think your first pick, you should be able to say, this guy has a good chance to finish one or two at their position. With my number one pick, that's what I want to take. So if that's the case... 
for what it's worth, take it or leave it in a PPR format, you can't take a Nick Chubb in the first round. He does not have a path to being number one or number two running back. Not while Kareem Hunt's there. Right? That's my philosophy. That's just my philosophy. And then when you start going down those different lines, it's hard for me you to tell me there's many receivers that have the same upside that those three guys have, especially when you get towards the back end of the top 10. You know, Tyreek Hill on a new team. Do you think he can finish one or two? I don't know. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know. It's not as safe a There's a lot of ifs this year, buddy. Devontae Adams. I think Derek Carr is better than Tua. I think he's supported top 10 receivers multiple times in his career, even ones that aren't as good as Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is going to be number one receiver. A little bit more questionable than it was a year ago. You know? A little bit more. And it depends what you want to do. You know, when you sit down and you start writing out your draft line, I can give people all the ranks I want. Right? And I enjoy doing it. You and I talk fantasy. When it gets to football season, you don't talk much fantasy now. Other than now. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk a lot, you know, as we get rolling in the off season. I enjoy doing ranks. But I can't, I can give you the ranks as I give them. But I can't give you your draft philosophy. That's yours to do. All I can give you is what order I put guys into. But every guy falls in that order differently. And this is, again, me trying to do some self-promotion here. We're rolling in fantasy content for us. You know, you and I probably won't talk fantasy football in our conversations after today until, you know, July. July. Yeah, I was ready to say July. I'll have add on him and I do much more fantasy discussions. That being said, you know, I don't want to I don't want to bore you with a, a topic you're just not ready to have. But the point of listening to me and you or me and Ed or I don't care. Again, I'll plug other shows that I like to listen to or the fantasy footballers or um, fantasy points podcast or fantasy pros. Why you listen is you get to hear what it is we're thinking about those players, about where we put them, floors, ceilings, all of that good stuff. Just because a guy fit is number 10 on my list doesn't mean I think differently you know, of him than another player. It depends when you sit down how your draft breaks down. Do you need a guy with high upside? Do you need a more predictable guy? All that stuff is your work. You know, you and I had very good fantasy seasons, right? We did. We absolutely did. I should have won two championships. Some of that is, obviously, we talked a lot. Some of that is, you know, you credit the ranks a little, uh, an amount. But the reality is, is you made the picks. You made the picks. And that depends on your league. That depends on how you see the game. Depends on what moves you make during the season. But what you don't want to do is get that information. You know, you heard us talk a little bit about how I feel about Devonta Smith. Some of my concerns about Tyreek Hill or Devonta Adams. You're going to hear a lot more of it, you know, as we get closer. But knowing, you know, this is what I think of the player. This is not, so you know, 
how they ended up on that part of the spreadsheet, not just that they're at that part of the spreadsheet. I think it's important to have the context. Agreed. Content is king. That's it. That's it. So um, you and I will hopefully be back either later this week or next week. Um, We've got Sixers tonight. for (laughs) For me and you, while the microphones are on, it's tomorrow. Um, they're up in the series yeah, one zip. <laughs> one zip. We've got a long Philly season uh, to go, but I think that there's some things to be excited about there too. Um, the Flyers. There's not much to be excited about. And football the end of the season, year. Yeah, football season itself is far away, but the draft is coming up. Think what you want about judging eighteen and twenty year old kids. But it's become a thing. And it ain't going away, pal. It's not, no matter how much you and I think it should. So I guess, guys, until next time, we gave you a little bit of bonus time here. Um, Until next time, I'm Jack. That's the Parlay Prince. We'll be back next time. Later on, baby.